So as we've said today, we have the business meeting right after the service, uh, but we're serving soup, so it's lunch. And lunch is at noon, and it's quarter to 11. So by my account, that says I have an hour and 15 minutes to pray, <laughs> to, to preach today. So I want to thank you, Frank, for giving me this extra time to just go more deeply into the topic and into the Word. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for the grace of your presence. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, we are grateful to you for the life we receive through the Spirit. Lord, today as we have witnessed three individuals further their walk with you, as they've chosen to publicly profess their love for you. Not a new thing for any of these men, but just another step in faithfulness to you. So Jesus, we thank you for these three men. We thank you for the way that their lives serve as a testimony to your saving grace. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of these individuals in our community, for the way they show their love to you through showing their love to us. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we get to be theirs. Thank you that we get to be yours. So Jesus, we invite you into this moment. And in your name we give glory and praise. Amen. I think baptisms for me hold an incredible depth of meaning. There's nothing magical about a baptism. It's just some lukewarm water that we've poured into a tank. It's moving down some steps and people singing and praying over you. And then we clumsily lower ourselves into water and try to make sure we don't drown anybody. And then we come out as a slobbering mess and we drip all over the place. And then we sit in the seat that the pastor sits in during community prayer, so now he's wet on the backside. <laughs> and it's deeply human. It's messy, and it's wet, and it's visceral, and it's real. And we want it to be perfect. We want it to be something that is this moment that is profound and almost like the angels are crying out and it breaks through into this moment and if you listen, you can hear them. But then we slip and we stumble and we're reminded once again that we do this not for any other reason than because Jesus did it first. And we follow Jesus in this life that is filled with good and bad and sloppy and fancy and love and, and strife and all the messiness of being a human being. 
And when you stop to think about that, when you really, really stop and think about it, you can't help but think just how profound it is that Jesus came and died so that we could be in relationship with Him. The messiness, the muckiness, the murkiness of being a human being. Because we smell. We are not fancy. We're a mess. And part of the symbolism of going into the tank is that we die to our old self and we're born, raised up new again in Jesus Christ. We're cleansed. We're washed. But the three men who so profoundly lived a sermon today, they'll make another mistake. Because that's being human. You see, we live these lives. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's not a set of moral precepts or some mystical union with God. Christianity and the act of baptism and living in relationship with people, Scott and Angel coming into membership, this is the act of relationship. And that's what Christianity is. It is a relationship with the Creator of the universe. In our messiness, muckiness, murkiness, He chose to come and live a life just like us. And made all the difference in the world in living that life. And so when people like Scott and Matthias and Tanner step into the tank. They are living that relationship out in a tangible and practical and visible way. They're living a sermon. In fact, I would argue that the sermon that those three men preached this morning is more profound than any I could possibly preach today but as I still have an hour and five minutes, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. So what is this life? What is this thing that we do as we come and embrace the person of Jesus Christ? As we come into relationship with, with a God that loves us? And as we serve and seek relationship with a community that is imperfect, what does all of this mean? See, I think the call into discipleship is a profound and wonderful act. It's really a miracle. And the miracle is that God would love us because we can be so deeply unlovable. Paul says he's the chief sinner of all. I, I would put my credentials up against Paul's. To be profoundly loved. To be loved so much that a life would be given so that we could be saved. It's profound. It's very good news. 
And baptism, in part, is this public profession of this profound and transformational relationship. One that I believe with all that I am is the most important relationship anyone could ever have. Speaking of Paul, Paul is this man who I think shows this pattern, this this arc of change that comes with following Jesus Christ. In, In talking with Scott and Matthias and Tanner, I hear part of their story. And like me, there's a time before. A time before Jesus came in and made all the difference in their lives. There's a time before where things didn't quite make sense. That life was lived not for the sake of the God who loves me, but for another sake. A sake that leads into places that leaves us broken and hurting. It's a life before Jesus. And then Jesus comes in and transforms us. And we see this in the life of Paul. He actually writes about this in Galatians chapter 1. And he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. How I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. And it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul is saying that he had this life before. A life of violence. A life of a broken commitment. But before that, not because Paul did that. Before Paul did that, Jesus came and ordained that Paul would be brought into relationship with him. Paul is rescued from this life that leads to death. But it doesn't stop there. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. And I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostles I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. And I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. His life changed. He stopped persecuting people, and he immediately went into this place where he sought Christ And he sought relationship with other believers. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. 
And still the churches in Christ in that area of Judea did not know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. You see, Paul was a lived sermon. Paul's life, just, just the transformed reality of this man who would sit and look after the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. Who was heading out with a letter of permission to drag Christians out of their homes and put them into prison. This man of zealous violence. And suddenly, he's a man of peace. Just seeing that, just experiencing firsthand the difference of a man to be feared, becoming a man to be loved. Lived sermon. Called from above. And this is the life each and every one of us, before we were even born, God has coaxed the call. He's inviting each and every one of us to have and to embrace Jesus Christ in a relationship that is transformational. Not because of anything that we have done. Paul was a venomous, murderous man. Christ confronted him on the road to Damascus, dropped him to his knees, blinded him, brought him into a new relationship where he stopped persecuting Jesus. And you and I are here today because of that one act. As the church was planted into the Gentiles and it spread all over Asia Minor, and the history goes all the way to a little church in Fort Saskatchewan. Lived sermon. See, what happened before his conversion was this man who was looking at life through a single lens, a self-centered lens, a focused lens. He thought he was doing right. You see, we can convince ourselves that we are doing right. But then Jesus confronts us and draws us up and shows us a better way, a way of relationship with Him. And at Paul's conversion, Everything changes for him. And everything changes for us. If we come into that relationship with Jesus, what's important changes. What our focus is changed. Our purpose becomes something brand new. And so there's a thing that happens after his conversion as he goes out and he serves God in a profound way, participates in mission. Before the call, the call and the response. This is the pattern. It's the pattern that Christ sets before us. It's the pattern we've had so brilliantly demonstrated for us in the three men who stepped into the tank. A calling from Jesus. A life before Jesus. A life with Jesus. And life through Jesus. I'll say that again. Remember this, a call from Jesus, a life before Jesus, a life with Jesus, and life through Jesus. 
that reaches out and impacts the community around us. Mike Minix, I like it, how he puts it. He says that God has a plan for every life. It involves a design that He put together before you were even born. He wasn't anxiously waiting for Tanner to accept Christ or for Scott to say, I'm going to get in the tank. He knew before time began. And He loved that. I can imagine Jesus sitting in the right hand of God, tapping one of the angels, saying, look, 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 today's the day. Tanner's getting in the tank. Scott's going to preach a sermon with his life. Matthias is going to brave being in front of people. Look, 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 look. Yes! I've been waiting for all of time for today. A life with Jesus Christ. See, God's plan before these men were even born was to make a way for them to be part of the family of God. Before they were even born. See, God has a person for every life. Even one individual. And each of these men have a story in how they came to faith. There were people that were placed along the way in each of their journeys. Some they probably never even met. Who were part of this moment of bringing things together so that they came face to face with Jesus Christ and dropped their knee and bent their life and said, Jesus, I can't go another minute without You. And there was someone who was part of that journey. And they're part of that journey. Not because they got in the tank today. That was an act of obedience. But because they submitted to Jesus Christ, they are now part of this amazing tapestry of mission where the acts that they do will have a ripple effect and will impact the life of someone else, someone they may not even meet. When Scott serves in tech, when Matthias fixes the building, when Tanner prays, lives are changed. God deserves the praise through every life because of who He is. So in these acts of obedience, it's praising Jesus, even though we don't always understand it. Even though these men were pretty nervous. These acts of obedience, they send out praise to Jesus Christ because the answer is, I don't understand all of this. It isn't necessarily something that makes sense to me, but this is what Jesus did. Jesus says I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to do it. And it's this lived sermon out as we faithfully day in and day out step up and say, yes, Jesus, I will do what You ask me to do, not because of my capacity, not because of my competence, not because I know what I'm doing, just because you love me and I want to love others in the way you've loved me. So we bump together and God is worshipped as we live our lives day in and day out. A life before Jesus 
a life with Jesus and a life through Jesus. So here's a challenge to all the candidates. As you consider the patterns of your past, be like Paul. Let them go. And lean into the life that Jesus has given you. Live to the fullest this life that Jesus has given you. Embrace the mission in whatever way God has called you specifically to do. Live that life through Jesus. Live a sermon and embrace your calling because there's life abundant. The challenge to all of us who have been baptized, remember that call. I invite you to bring to mind the moment you came out of the water and that commitment that you made that day. Remember it. Thank Jesus for the ways that has been lived out in the days of your lives. Call to attention the areas of your life that maybe you need to have your feet washed. There's this lovely story where the Last Supper, Jesus comes in and He's washing the feet of the disciples and Peter says, no Lord, don't wash my feet. That's my job to wash yours. Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And Peter says, well then not just my feet, all of me, Lord. Peter was all in. I've said it before. Peter's my patron saint. He's all in. Jesus says, no, you're clean but sometimes our feet get dirty. So those of you who've been baptized, are your feet dirty? It's an opportunity to recommit to that moment that you came out of the water and said, yes, Lord. All of us, all of us get dirty feet. Jesus bent down and washed Peter's. And there's that invitation to you for Him to do the same. Bring you back to that place. It's a challenge and an invitation to all who have never been baptized. First and foremost, it's an invitation to follow Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, oh, I encourage you, reach out. There is no relationship more profound. There is no life more amazing. Not easy. I'm not going to lie to you but it's good. I love that image in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Aslan is walking away and they ask, is he a tame lion? No, but he is good. Jesus is not tame, but he is good. And it's an invitation to embrace him and live a completely different life. If you know Jesus and you've never taken the moment to be baptized, water's still warm. I'm serious, water's still warm. I will go right back into that tank. You come see me after. We'll go in. The rules say I'm supposed to ask the elders for permission. So do I have permission? There we go. 
Is there anyone that wants to be baptized? Let me pray. Lived sermons. That's the invitation. Not live perfect. Life happens. But to live a testimony that points to Jesus Christ. Scott, Matthias, Tanner, thank you so much for being lived sermons for us today. Let us all be living sermons for a world that so desperately needs the hope of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life. Lord, as we celebrate today the baptisms of these three faithful men, as we remember our baptisms or feel that call into baptism, Lord, I pray you speak to each and every one of us whatever it is we need to hear. Lord, as we go on into our time of fellowship and food, as we do the ministry of business together, as we envision and plan for the coming year, we pray you inspire us. But Lord, you would give us the wisdom that we need to make wholesome, healthy decisions to steward this community. This is your church, Lord. We are called for this particular season and time to participate in its life. But it is yours and always has been and always will be. So Lord, inspire us to follow You. Help us to hear from You what You want for us moving forward. And Lord, for the, for the many ways that You have shown just how much You love us and Your faithfulness to us over this past 12 months, we give You the glory. We give You the thanks. And once again, we lift up Scott, Matthias, Tanner to You. We thank you for their decision today to be living sermons. In your name we pray, and to you alone be the glory, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.